Welcome, friends, to another episode of Chris in the Classroom. I'm Chris. This is my classroom. Friends, today we're going to hop in on a conversation that I recently had with a buddy of mine uh, named John Branion. Now, John is a, a comedian. He tours nationally. He's been on in here in the classroom before uh, talking about humor and how to use humor to build resilience. But, friends, today I'm talking to John about some things regarding how to deal with some online haters. Now, just some background information before we hop into the conversation. Uh, John recently wrote a blog, and some people took it the wrong way, and they started saying some pretty nasty things, saying that they hope he dies, they hope his family dies, just all this kind of crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, and I wanted to get John's uh, perspective on it and hear how he and his family have been dealing with it and responding to uh, just all the, the negativity and backlash that has come from it. So stay tuned. Here's a conversation with me and John Branion. My daughter uh, was talked about Brooks Gibbs uh, last week. Mm -hmm. You know how we—I don't know if you've been following—that we've been embroiled in some uh, some scandal on Facebook, and uh, it's not nothing like I'm sure you guys get. It's just a very little little bit of scandal. But we had a few people that showed up on my uh, wall and got a little nasty. And uh, Mandy's response was that she just kept being nice to them. She just kept pushing back and, and saying, well, thank you. I appreciate your, you know, your point of view and uh, thanks for trying to help. And she just, it, she described it to me as uh, Brooks Gibbsing them. She yeah. said, I, <laughs> that's what she said. She said, dad, I've just been Brooks Gibbsing these people so hard. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and it works. It's it's they're still angry and they're still uh, wanting to say mean things, but they just it just takes all the wind out of their sails when you when you respond with uh, kindness when you just yeah. speak back to them and say, well, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I appreciate your uh, you know your passion. Yep, I've so, been kind of not stalking but I've just kind of been sitting back and just seeing some of the stuff. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about and podcast about. Um, but just, uh, just the responses that, that Mandy's giving and, and just how you guys as a family, I think have handled the whole situation ever since that blog, whatever, like three weeks ago, whatever it was, it's just, I'm just like, okay, like you, you guys got it, you know? So, well, I have, um, I've, I've, I learn a little bit every time this happens and, um, uh, I'll be honest, the first time that you get a lot of criticism from strangers, it's disconcerting and it, it sort of knocks you off balance. I mean, you're, you're, um, I'm, I'm used to having disagreements with people in my little circle, you know, friends and family, and you can get into spats with those people sure. and you sort of get used to it. But when you're in uh, a public 
forum. Um, and if you're on a, if you're on my, my Facebook wall, for example, for my public page, there is a, um, there's an expectation. I think at least I had this expectation. I'm not speaking for everybody else. I had this expectation that, that you are going to be positive and encouraging and everything is going to be fun and light. Mm -hmm. And when, when you get pushback, that uh, at the level that we got pushback and you get literally thousands of comments hoping that you die and hoping that your parents die and hoping that hoping that you suffer and your career ends and just hoping for tragedy upon you when you get thousands of people doing that it is it's a little disconcerting the first time it happens yeah and it makes you start to question it makes you start to question yourself it makes you start to go okay uh all of these people can't be wrong can they I mean, you get, you get a thousand people, 2000 people, 4,000 people, um, who are just telling you that you're an awful person and it starts to sort of affect you, starts to make you have some doubts. Right. I mean, and, um, I already hit record, so we'll just go with it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, but I mean, you know, when you, I don't know what's happened in the, past so much but i know you know just the most recent you know a couple weeks ago and i remember where i was i was standing in line at the grocery store and um i just killing time waiting for the lines to move and i opened up facebook and i was like oh john wrote a new blog so i read it and i'm like okay but the thing is like i know you right (laughs) and i read it in your tone of voice, probably how it was meant to be read. Um, but I know that kind of separates me from probably 98% of everybody else that read it. Of humans. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but after I read it, I was like, wow, that was really strong. But yeah, you know, I didn't necessarily disagree, you know, but at the same time too, I, I know your tone. I know you're comedic, sarcastic. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Outspoken, you know, way of right. doing things. And I'm like, yep, that's John, you know? Right. And then I started scrolling through the comments and I was just like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, just, and I remember I text you, I'm standing in line at the grocery store. I read some of those comments and I text you, I was like, bro, you won some friends today. (laughs) But I mean, it was ugly. Like, I mean, and people were saying, you know, I hope you get the coronavirus. I hope you, you know, I hope you die. I saw a couple that hope you die. I hope your kids die. I hope you're, I mean, you know, how, how do you, how do you process something like that? Um, well, it it helps to have had a little bit of experience with this. I, 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 this is not the first time it's happened. Uh, the first time it happened, it was a different, it was a different processing. Um, well, okay. Contrast, you know, the first time to now. To this last time? Yeah. Um, well, processing it uh, requires uh, a lot of, 
a lot of introspection and a lot of soul searching. And I hate those terms because they're cliche, but I don't know what else to use. You, when, whenever you get criticism um, for anything, uh, a wise person doesn't just dismiss it because it's uncomfortable uh, and, and, and hurtful. Uh, even if it's coming, even if it's coming in a form that isn't necessarily uh, civil, you know, because you can, I, I've gotten criticism before from people who are not very nice and they're, they're not very tactful, um, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. And that is a, uh, that's a difficult thing to, to, to handle um, because when somebody is, I'm going to say mean to you in their criticisms when somebody is, is mean, then, then my pride starts to well up. And now I want to do combat. Now I want to, now I want to fight back because I feel like you have attacked me. Um, maybe because you have attacked me uh, and you haven't treated me with the same sort of civility and, and gentleness that I try to treat people. And that's the, th that's the thing. Um, when I, when I write something that's generally on my blog, every time I write on my blog, I, I'm very conscious to make sure that I'm not talking about individual people. I do not name names on the blog. And I think that's, uh, I think that's crucial because it's not my goal to make any specific individual feel bad for what they're doing. There's, I don't see any value in that. There's no, there's no value in being adversarial and in picking fights with people. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't go anywhere. So what I try to do is write about ideas. I try to write about themes. And, uh, it was, uh, I had a person this last time who was saying to me, he said, well, you just painted with such a broad brush that you made everybody mad um, because they thought you were talking about them. And I, I said to him, I said, well, that's fair um, because, because I did paint with a broad brush um, because I didn't want anybody to think I was specifically talking about them as a person. I was trying to paint with a broad enough brush that the people who uh, the people who go, oh, what he's criticizing doesn't apply to me, then therefore, this, this is not about me, that he's not writing about me, because what he's describing is not how I think and how I operate. Um, but what I've, what I learned is that that is, um, there's a potential for people to misunderstand. Yep. Um, and as far as how I, how I process it um, now is I have to ask myself, okay, what did I write this for? What was I thinking when I wrote this? And what was my, was my goal? And if my goal was to cause harm, to do damage, to, to, make, to make somebody specifically feel bad, and that's it. If the end, if the end goal is just to cause bad feelings, well, then I'm wrong. 
I'm in the, I, I, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't intentionally make people feel bad just because you enjoy making people feel bad. Right. Um, but if, if what I'm saying is true and I haven't singled somebody out, I haven't publicly humiliated an individual by name, um, then I don't feel, I don't feel any responsibility to walk it back because if what I'm saying makes you feel bad, that's your conscience. That, that's a thing that we call in the church, we call that conviction. Um, and that's a really good thing because conviction causes us to put the brakes on and go, hey, wait a second, this is actually kind of a good point. This is actually something that I need to, I need to think about and mull over and, uh, and find a solution to. And so that's how I, uh, th that's how I process it now is if I'm getting pushed back from somebody and it's angry and they're, uh, and they're emotional, um, that tells me that they're, that they're having feelings about things. And it also tells me that I'm probably being misunderstood. Um, because if you're reacting, if you're acting emotionally and that's the thing that's driving you uh, forward, the emotions are not rational. And uh, whenever I say stuff like that, people think that I'm saying, well, there's no place for emotions and you shouldn't be emotional. You can't help but be emotional. Your emotions kick in, you know, my emotions kick in. I, get, I got mad a couple of three weeks ago and there was that instinct to rise up and go, I'll tell you what, man, you poke, you poke me and you know what I do for a living? You know, this is, <laughs> you know, if you, if you want to start trading barbs, if you want to start being unkind personally to each other, I am fully capable of doing that. And I think you would win. <laughs> well, it, it's, I can do that. Right, if, right. I, if I want to, I have, that, I have that weapon in my arsenal. Um, but it is, um, it's, a, it's a, the spirit, I think, that, that whispers. I had, some, I had some great lines that I wanted to say. Oh, I'm sure. But, but there's, no, there's no use in it. There's no use in trying to win a battle of wits. That doesn't, that doesn't bring glory to the creator. All it does is just scratches my prideful itch that says I want to be right and I want everybody to think I'm smart. Um, yeah. And I'm reminded of a saying, I forget who said it, but it's that anytime you throw dirt at each other, the only thing you lose is ground. Yeah. So, no, that's, that's really good. Um, how did you handle it, you know, the first time? however many years ago it was when you started getting some scrutiny the first time the first time i attracted major attention um <laughs> i curled up in the fetal position and <laughs> contem contemplated never going out in public again um it yeah. was and seriously it, it didn't actually go to a physical fetal position but emotionally and intellectually i rolled up in a ball and yeah. uh, and it took me the better part of a week to start to be able to to kind of get a handle on it because I was getting criticism from a bunch of different sides, a bunch of different people outside of my group and also people inside my group who were, uh, who were being critical and trying to process all of it at once was, uh, more than I could do. I just, I got to the point where I literally, I just, I just kind of 
pulled my head into my shell and just kind of let it just let it bounce off for a little while. Um, yeah. And uh, it was it, it's it was a little while later. It was probably a week or so went by, and I was uh, in the scripture, and the scripture came up. Uh, that says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Uh, and for some reason, I started, I don't know, I, I don't know why, but I just started rolling that around. And it's like, okay, what are the people who call evil good and good evil? Who would do that? You know, what, what type of person would actually do that? Um, and I, and it occurred to me, well, the people that would call good evil are people who are confused and people who don't know who don't know the truth and so what should the response be to to us to, to Christian people to the church people if if we are if we're allowing good to be called evil and that is and, and we and we just kind of curl up like I did in a ball and say yeah I'm, I'm done with this I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight this fight anymore um, well, then you're going to allow uh, things that are not true to stand. You're going to allow the you're going to allow lies to stand. Um, and then I ran across that stupid parable that Jesus told about the <laughs> the talents. The parable of the talents has has bugged me for years. It's a, it, it, because he he mets out these talents. He gives these talents to his servants, and then he goes away. And then he comes back and says, okay, what did you do with the talents? And everybody was expected to do something with their talents, even the dude who just had one. I mean, the guy who had five, sure, you know, he's got five talents. He's good. But the guy who just had one talent also was responsible for doing something with it. And that was the, that was the one that I just can't, I can't get out from under that. I've got this sense that whatever meager talent God gives me, um, I'm supposed to do something with it. And if I just roll up and get my feelings hurt uh, and succumb to, to fear and also pride, I don't, if, if I, if I say, well, the only things I'm going to do, the only time I'm going to make a stand is when I get applause for it. The only time I'm going to stand up and say true things is when somebody pats me on the back and tells me I'm a good person. That doesn't take any sort of faith to do that. Um, and so I've got to, I, I have to stand up for what I believe is the truth. And if it right. turns out I'm wrong, if I'm, if I'm standing up for something that's not truth, well then, you know, criticize away, come and come and tell me what the, come and tell me where I've erred. Then I will, then I will know the truth and I will grow from that. Right. And I, I loved what you did after this last time. Um, you know, you, you had all this backlash and then it was probably a week later, uh, you were doing, you, you were scheduled to do the, you know, the, the quarantine comic show, uh, which I, I tune into every week. It's awesome. Just to, you know, just some of the games that y'all do. It's hilarious. Well, you better um, tune in or else I'm going to hang up right now. Right. <laughs> um, actually I had, uh, after the first week, one of my, one of my comments, it was, I. Uh, you know, one of the top comments, one of the favorite comments of the week. So I was like, yay. Um, <laughs> but um, you, 
you were scheduled to do that 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 show with Bob Smiley and Johnny W, um, and you called them off because apparently they were getting some backlash too, uh, if I remember correctly. Just right. just for being associated with you, right? Um, which you know, that's not on you. That's not on them. That's just on the people. Right, but th doing but, that. But that's an important facet of what was going on too. Is there's a, that's the intimidation. Um, oh sure. Power of the mob is they go. We're not just going to go after you, but we're going to go after everybody who has ever been within fifty feet of you. Yeah. Um, and that that also weighs on you. Then you mm -hmm. start to go, okay, gosh, they're gonna they're gonna punish these other people for my transgressions and all of that innocent people right right so but anyway so you were scheduled to do one of those shows and my wife and i were sitting there waiting for it to start and then you come on and i didn't know what to expect that night but you called off bob and johnny and you delivered not it wasn't i wouldn't call it an apology um, but I think it was just the, the eloquent explanation of, Hey, I know this is what my blog said. This is what was said. Um, when I wrote it, I thought it was okay. I thought everything was communicated clearly, obviously from, all the feedback and backlash, obviously some things were taken wrong. Then you went on to explain, this is what I meant by this. This is what I meant by this. I did not mean boom, 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 boom. Right. And it took maybe 15 minutes, I think. And then, you know, the, the, the broadcast ended and my, my wife and I sat back, we're like, that was really well done. You know, at, at no point did you cower and, and, you know, tuck tail and be like, I'm so sorry if I offended everybody, you know, and that's not right. what you should have done. Right. Um, at least in my opinion. But you just went ahead and further cleared up some points and said, hey, this is what I meant by this. Boom, boom, boom. My wife and I sat back and we said, that was really well done. Um, and then I think you gained some, some respect from some of the haters that were like, okay, now that you did that, you know. I understand, but there's still some people that that watch that. And I think you even wrote a blog response where you kind of wrote out the same things. And still to this yep. day, I mean, we're a month removed from that now, I think. And yep. still to this day, uh, I think I, I it came up on my wall that uh, Mandy responded to something. Your daughter responded to some a comment she brooks gibbs another comment right um and she's a just, she's a brooks gibbs beast i'm telling you it's hey that's what we teach <laughs> yeah. um but there's people that are still just just slinging mud and slinging dirt right with no instant like there was nothing done to instigate it they're just it seems like they're just sitting there just saying oh i'm bored let me go call john brand you know da 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 Right. You know, and they're just doing it. Right. So, I mean, obviously now I think, you know, you're kind of past that and a lot of people are past that. And the ones who are not going to follow you anymore, they're just not going to follow you anymore. But you still have those 
people that just kind of do that right. and trickle it in. And I love what, you know, how you worded it. You said Mandy kind of Brooks gives them, um, you know, the only way you can respond to that just to shut them down is to respond with, you know, just that kindness. And like you said earlier, it totally takes that power away. Yeah. Well, the, the other, the other little thing that goes on at a, at a deeper level. Um, and this is, I think, this is what I appreciate about what you and Brooks do is because you, you are aware of this dynamic um, and you teach the skills for how to deal with this without going into a lot of the philosophy um, that's behind it. You it just, it, you're correct, but you don't muddy the waters like I tend to do uh, <laughs> with, you know, here's why I'm doing this. Oh, behind the scenes, we totally geek out on yeah. that stuff, but well, it, there is a uh, there is a a force of evil in the world, and Christian people, church people, are they talk about that from from their heads? You know, I think they they say, "Oh, sure, there's evil in the world," but but until you actually brush up against it in some real way, and you don't necessarily have to be. Uh, physically threatened. You don't have to have, your life doesn't literally have to be in danger to, to brush up against genuine evil. Um, and you can see it in, in the way people behave, like the people that you're describing, who a month later still have, seem to have nothing to do with their time, but to show up and say awful things to me. Uh, that's not, that's not coming from goodness. That's not coming from a, from a, the spirit of, it's not coming from the Holy spirit. It's coming from someplace else. Oh yeah. And the, the danger in that is when Christian people start to inter, start to listen to those voices because it's easy to do. I still have to be careful that I don't allow those voices to influence because they're so loud and they're so persistent. They just, they never stop. They just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. Um, but they're also never true. And so if you, if you let voices that are not true, even just get a, a little bit, a little bit into your head, it, it starts to darken everything. It's, it starts to make you cynical and bitter uh, and angry. And I'm talking from experience. I'm not, I'm not throwing <laughs> stones at anybody. I'm saying, this is what's happened to me. You know, if I'm not careful and if I start to listen to the people who have nothing but anger and, uh, and bitterness, nothing. I understand that everybody gets angry sometimes. I understand that people, uh, you know, they have, they have emotional reactions and they don't know. And sometimes they go off half cocked is what my grandmother used to say. Right. Um, I get it. But, but, but evil lives there and evil never, evil never comes back and says, wow, uh, what I said earlier was out of line and, uh, let me, let me readjust that. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me walk that back or, or realign it. Um, and that's what I was trying to do when, during that video that you described that you and your wife watched 
I was trying to go, look, I hear what you're saying. I, under, I understand why you're upset. And I was trying to say the reason that you're upset, um, you don't need to be upset for that reason. And that's not to diminish your feelings. Um, I'm, your feelings are legitimate, but in this case, you're upset about something that you don't need to be upset about because I did not do what you think I did. I didn't right. say what you thought I said. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, but you don't always get a chance to say that with people who are uh, with people who are not trying to find truth. You know, people who are who are genuinely trying to get a relationship. People who are genuinely looking for truth. They will give you the benefit of the doubt, and they will afford you a chance to explain yourself. If they misunderstand you, it's like, whoa, dude, I thought you did. You say this? Is that what you meant to say? Because that's what I heard. Is that what you meant to say? And that is. The, the kindest, most uh, respectful thing that you can do for a person is to come up and say, if I could say, Chris, I think that this is what you said, uh, but I don't think that's what you meant. Is that true? That's the most respectful thing I can do for you. Yeah. Um, the most disrespectful thing I can do is go onto Facebook and roast you for being Hitler. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's just the basic conflict resolution stuff that, that we teach that should be taught that people, you know, should be following. And, you know, yes, that would have been the proper response for all those people that said all that junk to you, you know, like, Hey, I didn't take this very well, you know, or, Hey, this didn't come across right, you know, clear this up. Um, but then, you know, kudos to you, too, for at least taking a cue from all that n nonsense. And rather than firing back, you know, you did come out and say, you know, hey, seems like there's a misunderstanding here. You know, somebody in there has to be the bigger person, whether it's, you know, hey, this came across and hit me wrong or you coming up and saying, you know, hey, this seemed to have come across and hit some people wrong. Let me explain myself. Either way, there's got to be, you know, it, it's, there, there's got to be that, that bigger person somewhere. And as we've seen, and I'm sure as you've seen, you know, 99, 98% of the time, that'll at least quiet the situation down. People still might be mad. They still might think you're a jerk or whatever, but they've, majority of them have stopped slinging mud at you you know and then you're just left with the the handful that like you said they just you know they're just so wrapped up in their feelings in their anger they can't see the forest for the trees you know they don't care what you have to say they're just bent on you know keeping keeping all that essentially keeping a bad situation alive when everybody else is trying to move on from it. Right. Well, you're in, you're going to encounter a few people that are like the Joker uh, in Batman, which is <laughs> Alfred has one of my favorite lines when he's talking to, he's talking to Bruce Wayne about the Joker. And he says, you know, some people aren't interested in, uh, they're not motivated by, by anything. They just want to watch the world burn. And there are some people like that. Oh, for sure. Just want to see everything set on fire. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and especially in today's climate, you know, um, 
not even politically speaking, but it just seems like in today's climate that if you disagree with somebody on one point, right. on one thing, they're a horrible person. You can't be friends right. anymore. You know, it's like, no, you know, we can have a conversation about it. We can still agree to disagree and still go on to be best friends. Right. Right. Well, that's, uh, that's another soapbox. Oh I'll yeah. yeah. Down the <laughs> rabbit hole you want to go, but yeah, we, we have a tendency in this culture now, since we've reduced everything to memes, uh, Mandy and I were talking about this the other day about how the, the memes, what's frustrating about memes is some of them are very good. Some of them are clever, but all of them have, have, you take this gigantic nuanced multi-dimensional concept and you distill it down to a single phrase with a goofy picture and you put it on and there's, there's a facet of truth in it probably, but it's not, but they're so incendiary uh, because all of the, all of the nuance is lost. You've taken all of the thought and the processing and the dialogue and boiled it down to one little picture that you throw up onto the Facebook and people scroll past it. Um, so nobody really thinks anymore. Everybody just kind of absorbs sound bites uh, and cobbles together their their feelings about things based on f fragments of thought, rather than rather than taking a point and going to the next point and the next point and the next point and developing some depth uh, in your philosophy. And that is that that just gets perpetuated on. Uh, on Facebook and social media and for Christian people. Now we are, we are burdened with the idea that we are uh, as much as it is up to us, we're supposed to live at peace with everybody. And so we take that on our shoulders when somebody is upset with us. Well, that's our fault. That means that we need to, we need to adjust uh, what we're doing or what we're saying or what we're thinking so that they will not be upset with us and we will be living quote at peace with them. And again, there's, there's a lot of depth of philosophy behind that. If you're going to live at peace with somebody, that's a great thing to do. That's certainly, it's a biblical thing to do. As much as it's up to you, live at peace with other people. But it says as much as it is up to you, live at peace with other people. Um, in that is the idea that the other person has a say in whether or not you're going to live at peace. And so, if my living at peace with you requires that I uh, sacrifice my values and my ethics, if I have to, if I have to throw away my religion in order to be at peace with you, then we're not going to be at peace because as much as it's up to me, I will live at peace, but you also get a say in it. And if you're going to tell me that uh, we're going to go to war because I have a different opinion about uh, abortion than you do. Okay, that's, uh, and so be it. I, I will, I don't want to be at war, but it's not completely my call. It's not totally uh, up to me. That's huge. As much as it is up to you. So, I mean, essentially what that's saying is, you know, do everything you can to try to make peace with the other person. I mean, you know, out, like you said, outside of, you know, uh, stepping away from your own values and, and your own beliefs. Um, but do everything you can. And right. 
And that's one thing that, you know, that I try to teach even in as, as young as kindergartners, you know, when I go into elementary schools, like, you know, you're going to do everything you can, but there's still going to be some people that, you know, there's still going to be some people who just try to ruin your day, who just, who just don't like you for your hair color. They don't like you for whatever reason, you know, and that's on them. You can't help that. Uh, But, you know, and it's a pride and ego thing too. I think that when we see that somebody doesn't like us, even though we're trying to be respectful and be civil to them, it still kind of tweaks us a little bit because you know it it yeah it's it's pride it it's kind of like well why don't they like me i'm doing this you know like why don't i'm a nice person right like right. I, i'm an okay person why don't they like me and it's like you know what that's not on you and that's one thing that i think we need to learn to let go of is you're doing everything you can everything else is up to them yeah I had a conversation with a friend a few years ago and he said, well, you know, John, um, you shouldn't burn bridges. You know, you shouldn't, with the Christian people, you shouldn't burn bridges. It's never a good idea to burn a bridge. And I said, I agree with that, but I am not the only one holding a torch. There's a person at the other end of the bridge who also has a torch. Wow. And so just because the bridge is on fire doesn't mean that I'm the one that set it. Oh, that's huge. Oh my goodness good stuff and well that that is a thing that that kids it's really difficult for kids to think at at that level oh sure, you know? sure sure and so that's why i that's why i appreciate what you guys do because you just you teach kids how to you teach kids how to act like they think like this basically you know and <laughs> yeah <laughs> you teach them how to, how to fake like they think like this until they're able to think like this um, and there comes a day I remember hearing over and over when I was in high school and junior high, I remember hearing older people, wiser people than me say, you know what, John, these people, when you leave school, when you leave high school, you're not even going to see most of these people ever again. And I remember thinking, ah, that doesn't seem right. You know, because mm-hmm. when you're in high school when you're in school, that's your whole world. And the whole universe is, is that. And yep. so how your friends think about you and how you get along with those people and uh, whether or not they're, they like you, that's your whole world. And it's really difficult to imagine that there's going to come a day when you're going to actually laugh at yourself for caring what those people thought. Yeah. Um, most of them. Oh yeah. But it, but it will happen. It'll happen. There, there comes a day when, when you get a, when you get a sense of confidence about, about who you are and when what you are about. And then when the people come along and say, well, you're a big stupid dummy. And it's like, well, you know, I know I'm not. And so you can say that, but those words just, they just don't penetrate. They, they just, they don't affect me. Um, And that was one of the, that was one of the things that we were having a conversation with uh, about somebody online because they were responding to one of Brooks's videos um, and this was a member of our, of our Christian group. I, I don't remember if it was actually a church member, but it was somebody that we knew through Christian circles. And they were saying, 
I just don't think that it's right to uh, teach kids to pretend that it doesn't bother them. So they're they're being critical of of what Brooks was saying. You know, just you just tell you just teach kids to act like it doesn't bother them, and and the other kids get away scot free. You know, you don't say anything to the kids who are doing the bullying, and we we tried to suggest well you're not really you're not really teaching them to pretend that it doesn't bother you you're trying to teach them so that it really doesn't bother them that's yep. the goal yep. the goal is to make them tough and resilient you know and mentally mentally tough so that when people come and and criticize them and say awful things about them they're not pretending it doesn't bother them it really doesn't bother them that's yeah. the goal yeah and uh, i've gotten that before too um, I did a, I spoke at a PTA conference in North Carolina uh, about a year and a half ago. And I did my spiel, you know, did the whole thing. And I got done. And this woman got up and walked out. It's the only time I ever walked somebody from a, <laughs> um, you know, from a gig, but uh, caught up with her later. And I was just like, hey, you know, what, what, something seemed to rub you the wrong way. What, what happened? And she said the same thing, like, how are you telling kids to pretend, you know, that stuff doesn't bother them? You know, that's just, you know, you can't fake it till you make it. And, and I'm like, no, 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 that's, I, I kind of did what you did, you know, like, that's not what I meant to say. If it came right. across that way, I apologize. Here's what I meant. And our whole philosophy, when you just watch a video of Brooks or, or me or uh, Jeff Veely, you know, if you just watch a video, a five-minute, three-minute video, scratching the surface of the, you know, like you said, we don't really go into too deep of the philosophy. Like we do with our, our parent and our teacher training programs and stuff that people can purchase. But just on a little quick social media video, you're not going to see the ins and the outs. You're seeing the basics, you know, surface scratching techniques. When it comes to actually teaching it and implementing it, we are actually teaching kids emotional regulation at every step of the way. Right. So, so like you said, it's not a pretend. We're actually walking kids through, okay, when you feel angry, when you feel that anger bubbling up, here's what you need to do. Right. When you feel sad, when you feel the tears about to start flowing, here's what you need to do. So eventually they can walk through those, that emotional spectrum, you know, at the drop of a hat until they just become, you know, bulletproof essentially. So I, you, you're exactly right with how you responded to that person. Yeah. Well, and that's the, and the reason that I responded that way is because I've had, I've, I've had people suggest similar things to me well you're just you're acting like uh that that's one of the criticism you're acting like this doesn't bother you you're pretending you're pretending that you're that you're all uh that you're smart that's the thing that you're you're arrogant and and you're condescending you know when you when you respond with any sort of confidence a lot of times you'll get accused of being condescending um and i i i don't think that being condescending is should be taken as an insult um, because condescension just means that you're taking something and bringing it down to a level where where people can understand it 
Um, and so when you're being condescending, it, you're not you're not saying that people are less than you. You're saying you're actually saying I care and I care enough about this that I want you to understand it. So I will condescend to bring it down so that you're able to understand it. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means that the way I'm communicating it up here is not hitting you. So we need to condescend to bring it down to a different level. The other thing that I, that occurred to me this last time um, was the idea of backpedaling. And when I, when I issued my second and third video where I was trying to re or I was trying to explain myself, then the people who were mad at me continued to be mad at me. Only now they accused me of backpedaling. Oh, she got into trouble now and you're worried that it's going to affect your pocketbook and you're worried your career's on fire. So now you're backpedaling. And, and I thought, you know, that's a problem too, that if you're going to criticize somebody for backpedaling, well, backpedaling is what you do when you realize that you have, that you have misstepped, when you have gone too far or you're being misunderstood. Well, now you backpedal. You got to back up a little bit and go, okay, wait a second. We're going in the wrong direction here. So let me back up and let me start again and see if we can see if we can go in the right direction. But now because of the, the toxic way that we talk to each other in culture, if I backpedal, now you're going to criticize me for that. So you're going to criticize me for saying what I said in the first place because I was awful and thoughtless and selfish and mean. So now when I backpedal to try to go start over again, now you're going to criticize me for backpedaling. Oh, now you're backpedaling, right? I guess you're not as smart as you thought you were. But now you're backpedaling and trying to cover it up. And so you can't win if you're going to be, you know, yeah, and you you made a you really a really good point. I want to make sure that that people hear it. There's a difference between backpedaling to cover up and hide away, you know, mistakes and never speak of them again. There's a difference between that and backpedaling and saying, "Hold up, there is some misunderstanding. Let me try this again and still move forward." There's a huge difference there. And right. the backpedaling you're talking about is the one that is still trying to move forward with the points that you already made, you know, but not hiding right. and pretending it didn't happen. Right. And I think there's a difference between backpedaling and, uh, and recanting or redacting statements. Mm. I think that, I think if you say something and you misspeak or you say something that's just flat out wrong, then you retract it and you say, yeah, that thing I said earlier, scratch that. Um, it was dumb. It was wrong. I shouldn't have said it, but I did say it. Um, that's not the same as backpedaling. Right. Um, backpedaling, I, I think the way I understand it is, nope, uh, we're not going in the direction that I intended to go. So I'm not, I'm not retracting what I said, but I'm trying to back up so that we so that we both understand it the same way and now we go forward and so i'm not i'm not saying that what i said was wrong i'm saying that we don't that we're not understanding it the same way and right. again it doesn't mean that you're stupid and it doesn't mean that i'm smarter than you it just means that we have a misunderstanding in what in what we're trying to say to each other and so backpedaling is a good thing and i don't think that it's something that we need to be ashamed of but we shame people all the time you know, for backpedaling. 
Well, backpedaling properly. <laughs> right. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So let me, uh, let me take this opportunity to pivot then um, just because of, you know, you know, like I said, when I read your blog and everything, I, I, I read it in your voice. I read it in your tone, you know, because, because I know you um, and we've had many, many conversations and, you know, uh, we've hung out a couple times uh, and We've eaten at Daddy's. I know that that's bonding. That's male bonding time right there. I know. Um, we, I think we got a, a two for one burger deal. Was that right? We did. We did. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> um, but, so we, uh, ate, we ate at Daddy's together cheaply. Yeah. Which is, yeah, even better. <laughs> um, but one thing that really helped me understand you and your tone and just how your brain works and how your heart works is when that all came out, I was smack in the middle of reading your book. Um, and here we are at, the, you know, at this point, I don't think it's completely out and published yet, but I, I did get a, you, you sent me a, a, an early copy. It's on um, Amazon. It's oh, on is Amazon it? and Kindle. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, and for listeners, uh, the book is, uh, it's called Life is Hardy Har Hard. Um, and <laughs> how to use comedy to make your life better. Chapter one. <laughs> if you can make it through chapter one, you're, you're gold. Um, but no, I, I like the way that you, that you do that. And you and I, when I was reading it, you and I have a very similar writing style and it was really kind of refreshing. Uh, Cause like I, I was reading through chapter one, I'm like, this is good. And then as I keep going through the chapters, I'm like, did I write this book? It, it just crazy uh -huh. because we, my wife describes it as a, a conversational writing uh, sort of thing. Like we're trying, we're still trying to teach and give information and, and everything, but you know, we both insert those little like you know. Well, hey John, aren't you just saying that this? And right. you know, you put in that little quote like, "Hey John, are you really saying?" And then you answer it. And I do the same thing, right? Um, you know, and chapter one in you know both of my books uh, are very much like, "Hey, this is what's ahead." You know, you. I think uh, I said something like, "You know, you're gonna laugh, you're gonna cry." you're going to get angry, put sharp objects away, you know, and you're very right. much upfront the same way. And I, I love that you were so honest. Um, but you start right off just boom, right between the eyes, you know, just sarcastic, outspoken, you know, but it's a book about how to see life through the lens of comedy. And you're very upfront with, okay, if you want to see life through the lens of comedy, quit taking everything so serious. Right. Well, yeah. specifically quit taking yourself so seriously. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and then I love how, you know, you, as you make your, you make your way throughout the book, uh, I learned, you know, it, you know, I, I, I do some stand up and, you know, trying to get more heavily into that as, hopefully everything <laughs> opens back up yeah we'll see <laughs> um, but um 
I, I learned a lot just about, you know, just joke writing and, and how to look at things, how to kind of take an idea and, you know, how to branch it out and mm-hmm. how to take something as simple as, I think at one time you told me you wrote a comedy bit about your shower head, yep. you know? And it's like, when you told me that, I'm like, how do you write a comedy bit about a shower head? But after seeing that, it's like, oh, well, you can branch it off to here and off to here and, you know, draw all these, you know, metaphors and similes and all that stuff. And after I read your book, and I, I mean this, you know, nothing but love, nothing but compliment. <laughs> after I read your book, I was like, okay, let me, let me try this John Branion comedy method out. Uh, this book was the four-hour staff meeting that could have just been sent through an email. <laughs> That's right. You sent me that quote. That's a great quote. That's right. And if you haven't read the book, you don't know how perfect that quote is. Um, <laughs> That's exactly, exactly the kind of quotes I want for the back of my book. It's snarky, sarcastic, puts it down, uh, doesn't take it the least bit seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, one of my, one of my friends, uh, Chaz Corzine, uh, I asked him to, I asked him to write a quote for me for the website a few years ago. And his quote was, we've, we've hired, uh, how'd it go? We've, we've had John Branion uh, at our group several times, and it wasn't until the fourth time that we had him that I realized he's a comedian. <laughs> uh, that's on my website. I love so, it. Yeah. But you see, that's such a testament to just, I, I know you've been in the comedy game for so long. You know, this has been your career for how long? Uh, my career for, for over two decades for 20, 25 years. Okay. So, you know, your life is all about just making jokes, finding the humor in things. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've ever gotten, um, was from a comedian. I don't even remember the dude's name, but, um, he told me flat out, he said, comedy is insults. Every joke, there's always a but to a joke. And if you're going to make a joke, there's always going to be a but to a joke, whether it's about a chicken crossing the road or whether it's about somebody's mom being overweight or whether it's about, you know, whatever. There's always a but to a joke. And sometimes you are going to be the butt of the joke. Right. And that's just life. And as soon as he said that, it really kind of started to shape how I saw everything, you know, just being able to see the funny and everything. And yeah, sometimes, you know, some comedians, and we've talked about some of these, you know, some comedians just take it, they take it way too far over the top to where it's just kind of like, all right, you know, eh, you know, and maybe somebody does find that funny, right. you know, and, and the cool thing is we don't have to, tune into that style of comedy if you don't want to. Um, but the fact is that all humor is insults. Uh, I, I think I agree with that. I, for the, I'll I, say for the most part. Well, I, I agree that, yeah, I agree that insult, if you want to use, if you want to use the term insult, I can, I can agree with that. I, I say that humor and suffering are linked hmm. together. They're inseparable. And so wherever you find suffering, 
um, you're going to find humor because that's the way God designed the universe. He gave us, he gave us a sense of humor the way he gave us a sense of eyesight so that we could, we could take in and respond to our environment. Uh, we can respond to, with our sense of hearing, with our eyesight, with our sense of touch. All of these things allow us to respond to what's going on in our environment. And our sense of humor uh, allows us to respond to pain uh, and suffering. And when you, when you try to say, well, uh, you know, we, we, just, we just want clean, you know, we just want clean, safe family humor. Um, I can, I can do that, but, but it's not really, it's not really clean and safe. If you look just below the surface, just, just because, just because I'm not swearing, uh, and just because I'm not talking about sex doesn't mean that the subject matter is not loaded with pain and suffering. Oh, sure. Um, and that's where those are the only things that are funny. Um, that's the reason that we had the reason we have laughter is because God knew that there was going to be terrible things in the universe and we needed to have some way to deal with them. And so he gave us a sense of humor and it was actually, and I don't remember where I read this, but it was in a book when I was in high school and it was a Jewish guy who was talking about, he was answering the question, why are the, why are there so many Jewish comedians? You know, why are, why are Jewish people the ones that are making movies and they're making comedies and they're doing stand-up. Why is it Jewish people? And he said, you know, if you look back at the history of the Jewish uh, race, that those people have been oppressed and persecuted and, uh, and they've just been embattled since the beginning of their, their time. And his philosophy, his thought was that that's, that's why they're so funny because there is all of this tragedy, all this horrific tragedy that they, that they deal with by, you know, by making fun. Um, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Wow. It's almost like, uh, you know, the way you were talking about it, it's almost like, you know, sense of smell, sense of taste, sense of touch. It's almost like humor is like, you know, the almost like, sixth sense seventh sense whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. that's huge but at the same time and i say this whenever i do a parent night whenever i do a staff training uh and it always gets a bunch of nods and a bunch of smiles as i've traveled the country and i'm sure as you have too i've noticed that a lot of people have forgotten how to laugh a lot of people have forgotten just how to smile just how to find joy because it, it almost seems like they hold on to that pain they hold on to the suffering and they're at a point now where they've stopped looking for a coping skill a way to release it where laughter and humor could very well be a way to do that well i, I think it is and the, the reason that part of the reason that people don't laugh like they used to is because there is uh, you get criticized for that too. Um, mm. I've been, I've been criticized people. You think this is something to joke about. You think this is an appropriate time to joke. A lot of times when they accuse me of, of 
being irreverent or making making fun of something, they're misunderstanding me again. They're they're yeah. saying you're making fun of you're making fun of crippled people, and it's like no, I'm not. You're misunderstanding. Um, I have, but there is a. Uh, I used to have a joke. I, I still have it. I haven't I haven't used it for a while, but I used to have a joke about uh, blind people driving. Um, and what it, would, what it would be like if blind people drove cars. And it was hilarious. It was a great, it was a great joke, a whole series of jokes about blind people driving. And I had uh, a lady come up one night and say, I don't think it's appropriate at all to make fun of blind people. And I, I said, I'm not, I'm not making fun of blind people. And then I told her about a blind guy that I had on a cruise ship when I told that joke. And he and his whole family came up uh, and they said, that was so great. And he's blind. He's got the cane and everything. And he goes, here's something you haven't thought about. He told me two more jokes about blind people driving that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about. Um, but that's, that's the correct way to do it. If you are, if you are a blind person who is offended by the thought of blind people driving, um, man, a, a sense of humor would set you free. I mean, you would, you would be able to experience joy and laughter. This, this guy's family, this blind guy's family. I mean, I, I wanted to go hang out with them. They could, I could tell they were just a party. They were just, they were making fun of him. He was making fun of them for being, uh, you know, for being insensitive and all of that, it was just this, they were great. Yeah. But it's all based on, you got to have permission. You got to have permission to laugh. And we've got this, this thought police. I talk about this in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the people who say it's not appropriate, the, the humor police who tell you, you shouldn't laugh at that. Well, you don't get it. You don't get to decide what you think is funny. Mm. It's, you know, you can't help it some things just strike you as funny. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you take that on as something that you need to feel guilty about or, or apologize for, well, that just sucks all the fun out of the moment. Yep. Well, and I think it's important to point out too, that, you know, everybody's sense of humor is different. Everybody mm -hmm. finds different things funny. Uh, you know, the majority of the time when people come to your shows, you know, generally, they're all in agreement of, okay, we think the majority of the stuff that this guy says is funny. That's why we're here. That's why we paid a ticket. That's, you know, or that's why we brought him in, you know, whatever. They're not going to bring somebody else in who's, you know, that group of people, they're not going to bring in like, you know, an Amy Schumer or, you know, somebody who's just off color and does stuff like that. Flip side, you know, an HBO, you know, Amy Schumer type audience, they're not going to bring in somebody like you or Bob or Johnny because it's just two different senses of humor. And just because one person doesn't find something funny, in your case, you know, this lady who wasn't blind, you know, just because she didn't find it funny, well, the blind guy who you would think should be the ticked off one he found it hilarious, you know? So it's just, it's not that a joke isn't funny. It's that it's one, it's how the person takes it, which that's a resilience aspect is, you know, can you at least understand when a joke is being told? 
can you at least understand that some people think it's funny? You know, and that's one thing that we try to work on with kids too, is just because a joke is told about you, you know, somebody thinks it's funny. It's a joke to someone, um, you know, you have to be able to let that go. You have to be able to let that bounce off you. And it might be funny. It might be. Absolutely. I've had, I've had many jokes and I'm sure you have, you know, as adults, you know, we've had many jokes told about us that even may have been meant to try to wound us or, or hurt us. And we just got to sit back and be like, okay, <laughs> that was actually really good. I'm stealing that. That was a, that's a good joke. I had a, uh, I had a group of, of atheists that were reading my blog a couple of years ago. They've kind of disbanded of late, but a couple of years ago they were reading my blog. and they I had, love where this is going already. <laughs> they had all sorts of terms for me. Uh, but my, my favorite one was they referred to me as Brain Yawn. They took my last name and turned it into Brain Yawn. And I, act, I gave them props. I said, you know what? Some of the, some of the names that you've come up with are not that good but brain but brain yawn i got to tip the hat that's a yeah i have i've been called a lot of names as the son of a of a teacher growing up i had a lot of people say a lot of things to me but but you are the first ones to ever turn my last name into something uh something like that and it was actually it actually works it actually so you gotta give props for that sure and you it's cool kind of when that happens um you almost start to you almost start to develop a little bit of amicability is that a word you almost start to kind of bring the walls down a little bit and i think on their end too they're like oh he actually thought something we said was funny okay you know it kind of brings the walls down a little bit and it's like okay if stuff like that were to keep happening, you know, you may have actually been able to have some sort of at least civil communication relationship with over time had it, you know, had yeah. it continued in that matter. Yeah. But, Sometimes it, it, yeah. it totally depends on who oh, sure, you're sure, talking sure. to, what the other person's going to do. Sometimes it just upsets them. Oh, sure. Um, but it upsets them, but it also, they're upset because they feel disarmed. Like, oh, I tried to insult him, but he laughed at it. He right. thought it was funny. Right. He Brooks Gibbs me. Yeah. <laughs> and we're full circle, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, listeners, friends, uh, definitely go check out John's book, Life is Hardy Har Hard uh, by John Branion. It's on Amazon. Any idea, paperback, hardback, anything, when that's going to? Uh, I don't know. It's probably going to be a paperback. I can't. And it's it's in the works. Um, we were in the process of working on that when this coronavirus. Had, have you heard about the coronavirus? Uh, is that that's the one that's named after the beer, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I don't so know. We I, were, haven't, I haven't had a drink in over ten years, so I don't know. We we were working on that when the coronavirus hit, and so everything's kind of uh, slid sideways, and we're waiting to see where that turns out but yeah it's on kindle so you can pick it up on kindle super cool and it's a great read um yeah there's so many times i just laughed out loud just with some of the analogies and similes and metaphors and just some of the little stories and quips like it 
just hilarious. So well, it is it it is a book that's not specifically about bullying, but it's it, <laughs> it's not. But it's got a lot of it's got a lot of information in there that if you're a person who gets gets his or her feelings hurt uh, often, uh, and you and you're a person who kind of feels like you're on the outside and everybody's sort of clicked up around you and you're not part of it. I mean, it's it's it'll be good. Um, yeah because there's a lot of information in there about how to be how to be tough absolutely absolutely cool deal well john thanks for hanging out definitely appreciate it anytime you're going to be on my podcast now right absolutely you just tell me when and where all right i'll hit you up sounds good sounds good all right see you chris bye Well, there you go, friends. I had such a great time hanging out and chatting with my buddy John Brandon. I hope you were able to take some good things away from that conversation that could help you or maybe help your kids moving forward uh, during all of these crazy times and everything that can possibly happen. So until next time, class is dismissed.